Hello and welcome back to the Basic Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Thompson, and joining us today as we continue our series about the attributes of God is Pastor Tim Johnson of the Rock Valley Chapel here in Beloit. So, Pastor Tim, welcome. Hey, it's great to be here, Kevin. I, you know, I know this is my maiden voyage, and I'm just really privileged to be a part of your podcast. So, so thanks for the first me. question really has to be, why have you waited so long to join us on the podcast? Well, this is my first invitation. Well, that's totally on that's you. That's true, actually. Totally on but you. But I feel like you should be banging on the door asking me to okay. get in. But all right. Well, no excuse. I have three teenagers. How about that? <laughs> yeah, there you <laughs> Will go. Will that work? <laughs> all right. So we're, we've been talking about the attributes of God. We're following along the basic outline in A.W. Pink's book. So last week we would have talked about foreknowledge, which was really not last week because we're recording these in all different sorts. Yeah. But whatever. Uh, so on the last episode that the listeners would have heard, we talked about foreknowledge. So, so now we're talking about the supremacy of God. So what do we mean by God's supremacy? Well, I think uh, in general, God's sovereignty over everything. Yeah. He, is, he is the authority over all matters of life. He's the authority over salvation. Yeah. Um, speaking of foreknowledge, right. you know, um, I assume then you've been in predestination, those kinds of things, elections, yep. big ticket items. God is sovereign over all. And those terms, predestination, foreknowledge, election, those represent God's sovereignty in those instances, uh, certainly over salvation. But he is sovereign over creation. He is sovereign over the working out of creation. Yeah. So not just the creating of it, but the maintenance of it and of course when it ends mm. and when it's going to be renewed so god is sovereign over absolutely everything one of the verses i like to tap into yeah is romans eleven thirty six, which is a real succinct way yeah. of quick talking doc- about doxology there pardon me a quick little doxology there at the end yeah um so paul writes for from him and through him and to him are all things mm. So, you know, Paul's making it clear. All things are from God. God's the source. They're through him. He's the one that makes it happen. He's the mediator of all things and to him. So everything comes from God is through his mechanisms for how he's going to make sure things uh, complete themselves. And then they come back to him. So it's this this divine circle. He's the source. He's the mediator. And then he's the recipient. So therefore, God, as you just said, is glorified in all of that. And um, so I I love that verse because it just makes it so clear. God's sovereign over everything because it comes from him, through him, and to him. So God is sovereign in all things. I think every Christian, if you were to ask them, would agree with that statement. But the practical working out of that statement is where we might have some disagreement or maybe even a little bit of fear Hmm. because... The, the fear is, well, isn't that just kind of like a fatalism? Isn't that just like, okay, I have no control over anything. It just seems like, okay, does everything that happened, is that God's will? Is that, how does that, how, how is this doctrine that actually should be a comfort to us? It is, and, yeah. Uh, but if we're, if we're not careful, it could lead to almost a fear. Yeah, I think that's a good point, and... Um... And so when one's eyes are not open, it's hard to absorb that. I don't think we can argue anybody into accepting God's sovereignty. One's heart has to be changed. So one has to be regenerated even before faith, right? So at least in my theology, the way I I look at it. So God has to make the first move. And by opening our eyes, changing our hearts, he opens us up to see 
that his sovereignty over everything is for our good, as you just yeah. alluded to. Deuteronomy 29, 29, you know, makes it really clear. The secret things belong to God. Yeah. Um, that which he has revealed is ours forever. Right. So the implication is there are certain things that God hasn't revealed. And so to your point about uh, God being sovereign over everything and maybe hard to understand, contributing to some level of fear, uh, everything we do, you know, in our minds, how, however we process everything, everything is tainted by sin. Yeah. So it wouldn't be surprising that this concept would be really hard to grasp, right. let alone to accept and appropriate. However, for the believer, yeah. it is a comfort. It's a comfort to know that our days are numbered, yeah. which we read about in Job 14.5 and in Psalm 139.16. Our days are numbered. God knows. God is sovereign, as we mentioned already, over our salvation, which you can see in Ephesians 1.11. He knows the yeah. number of hairs on our head, Luke 12, right? Luke 12.7, and I'm just citing off of some things that I prepared for here. God is sovereign over everything, and it is for our good. Here's the other thing for Christians to think about. Good works, you know, we want to live in such a way that we, we honor God and, and produce the kind of fruit that... Um, uh, that glorifies him, right? Well, Ephesians 2.10 makes it very clear that the good works, even the good works that we do, have been prepared in advance for us to right. walk in. Well, that means God's even sovereign over our good works. Yeah. We, whenever we do something that glorifies God, it's something that he has prepared in advance for us. So we should take comfort that as followers of Christ, we will produce good works that glorify him right. because he has prepared them in advance. Not because we're crafty or clever or uh, capable of coming up with unique ways of honoring God. It's because he's prepared them in advance. And the other thing that I tell my, my congregation when I talk about the Great Commission and sharing the gospel with people, which we're, I believe we're called to. Yeah. And that's the mission of the church, in my view, is to fulfill the Great Commission in the time that God gives us is that you know, Jesus reminds us in Luke 21, um, verse 14, that, you know, not to worry about how we would speak before authorities uh, in order to defend the gospel and right. speak of Christ because the Holy Spirit will give us the words to speak. Yeah. So when I encourage my congregation to go out and share the gospel, I quote from there. I say, don't worry. Don't, and the text even says, don't try to Think in advance what you're going to say. Don't try to right. kind of come up with like an outline. You know, how am I going to respond to The cookie cutter approach to... Yeah. yeah. And, and to your point earlier, you know, a lot of people are afraid to share the gospel because of any number of reasons. Um, very frequently it's because, well, I don't know what to say or I wouldn't know how to respond to this question yeah. or that question. I don't have a theology degree, Pastor. Uh, this verse is for us that right. says, don't worry about it. The Holy Spirit's going to give you the right words, whatever they are. doesn't mean you're necessarily going to have the perfect theological answer, but the right response for that person in that situation to move them to wherever God has ordained them to be yeah. is the right answer. So don't sweat it. So in all of these things, our days are numbered, the hairs on our head, what to say. Yeah. It is not on you to save yourself. It is not on you to save anybody. I'm with you. And that should embolden us in our witness. God has the power to, as Ezekiel says, to change the heart of stone into a heart of flesh. Yeah. Right. Then I can witness to anybody, what, the hardened atheist or the school child or whoever, 
because if it, this is God's power. And so I can be emboldened because it's not up to me. It's the power of the word. It's, it's the power of God. Therefore, I have no reason to believe that I couldn't lead this person to Christ. Amen. I mean, you're the, we're the conduits. Right. We're just the vessels. We're the broken vessels that God uses. Praise the Lord that he chooses mm. to use broken vessels to bring glory to himself. Again, from him, through him, and to him, right? All right. those things. And yet, we're part of the through him. I mean, we're the broken yeah. vessels that the Holy Spirit works through to bring glory to mm. himself. We can't bring anybody into the kingdom, but nor, and this is what I tell my folks all the time, nor can we lose anybody. Yeah. So when we are afraid, we're, we're not thinking theologically. Right. We're not thinking, I don't think, biblically. We can't, you know, we've been called to share the gospel. Yeah. That's our mission. The church's mission is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've been called to do that. But the burden of salvation has never been put right. on us. Salvation belongs to the Lord. We see that two, three, four, five times yeah. written throughout various places, Psalms, Jonah, um, throughout the Bible. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Right. So God's sovereignty, all this kind of bringing back to your point, yeah. it should be a source of comfort. Right. I, he knows when I'm going to die. He knows how many hairs I have. He knows that I'm losing hair right now. Yeah. He, he realizes that. you know, And he's got them numbered. He knows what I'm gonna say the next time I have an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody. All these things he knows. And when I go through a tough patch in life, he knows that too. And the great truth that he has revealed all the way back to the Abrahamic covenant is yeah. that I will be with you. Right. So he will not abandon us because for a moment he abandoned Christ on the cross who had our sins applied to him. Hmm. So as we had to abandon yeah. his son, so therefore, if I go through a tough patch, I can tap into this knowledge that all things are from him, to through yeah. him, excuse me, and to him, and that part of my tough patch is still part of God's sovereign plan. You know, and that's interesting because if you flip the equation around and say, all right, what if God were not sovereign over all? What if he were not reigning supreme over everything? Then I look at those same bad circumstances. I'm going to be, be in either way. Like there's no reason for this. Yeah, there, right. There's no purpose behind this. This is just random. This is, I don't know how I could live with that knowledge. Yeah, and you know, that's a, an excellent point for the church. Yeah. Because a lot of people will be in a church. I, I can speak just from my own sure. pastoral experiences in my own flock. And they will acknowledge, yes, God is sovereign. I believe God has got control over everything. I believe that I am who I am because God has made me in his image and these are my limits, my strengths, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. However, when I get to this tough patch, where is God? Right. And when, I, when somebody gets to that point, they have a very anthropocentric theology. Yeah. All of a sudden, it's a man-centered, it's a human-centered theology rather than a God-centered theology. Right. And you know you have an anthropocentric human-centered theology when you start to say, why is God doing this to me? Yeah. Because the moment we say, why is God doing this to me, we actually limit the value and the eternal yeah. implications of what happened on the cross. That a theocentric theology would say, I'm going through a tough patch. What is God doing right now for his glory yeah. through me in this moment? Right. Whether I'm in the hospital, I'm going through a difficult time at home, Maybe I just got fired from my job or had to leave a job because it was a really difficult set of circumstances and everything doesn't seem hunky-dory. Yeah. Maybe I need to start with where God is the center of the universe right. and he is doing something through me. He's repositioning me, putting me in a place of 
maybe rest. Maybe he's putting me in a different set of circumstances where I'm going right. to um, develop a different sphere of influence mm. and new friendships. Who knows? Uh, we tend to think naturally, again, noetic effects of sin, how we think, how we plan, how we dream. We tend to think about, okay, what's good for me? Yeah. Rather than... Yeah, and you know, going back to Romans 11, if you're asking the question, okay, why is God doing this to me? Well, I'm looking here and it's through him and to him. Yeah. Not necessarily to me. Yeah, so, excellent. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I also think, I go back to the Old Testament and uh, I'm struggling with the passage. But Elijah is finds himself surrounded by the Syrian army, mm-hmm. and you know his assistant is freaking out. Ah, I can't believe. So what does Elijah do? He says, "God, I want you to open this guy's eyes." Yeah. And then he sees, you know, an army of angels around him. He realizes the situation that I'm now in that freaks me out, that scares me the most. God is actually still in control of. Mm-hmm. God is sovereign over this. God is reigning supreme over this situation, even though I can't physically fathom how that situation is working. But God is still um, working his will, working his way, and God's absolutely still in control. And what a blessing for us that um, the Lord would reveal that in Scripture, Yeah, that he had to reveal that to Elijah's servant. Right. Uh, and for us to be able to appropriate that, to know, yes, God is with us. He's surrounding us. He's, he's not going to abandon us. Yeah. And that was the point I talked about earlier. Once we trust Christ, we can know that he will never abandon us because he did abandon right. Christ who had our sins applied right. to him, the whole imputation. And so um, it's a beautiful passage, a beautiful story, and a great reminder to us that he's, yeah. he's all around us. And that's part of his sovereignty. And so there should be great comfort in yeah. knowing that God is sovereign over all this. Without it, as you pointed out earlier, there would be no purpose. Without God's sovereignty... There would be no purpose. We yeah. wouldn't be able to explain anything. Uh, we would be so burdened by the pressure to have to do these things and accomplish these things on our own, which we are incapable of doing, that we would literally be living in hell. And that is essentially what happens when we're separated from right. God and we try to do things on our own. We're living in hell yeah. because we're separated from God's plan and how he is orchestrated to conduct business as it were right. as it were in his creation which is from him through him and to yeah. him at the end of the day. So in terms of practicality, I mean we need to step back and I, this sounds trite but let God be God. Let God, uh, God yeah. I, I I don't have to play God. I don't have to figure things out on my own and and figure out some sort of master plan for my life or whatever. I'm going to sit back not in a in a uh I'm losing the word. Passive, here. not a, a passive, passive yes. Right, right. right. Uh, not in a passive way, but I can, okay, I, I know what God is, is in charge. Therefore, what happens in this life is His will for my life. And therefore, okay, I'm going to go through this. I know I can go through this because this is exactly where God wants me to be at this moment. And this is where, this is where we find peace. Yeah. This is where we find peace a contented state hmm. that we can have a posture before God that is accepting and submitting to his will rather than constantly trying to move God to to serve us. Right. Uh, I mean, we go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Right? Yeah. I mean, what was that all about? That was about not being content with what God has provided right. and having to eat from the fruit of the tree so that we could what? Be like God. I mean, yeah. that was the whole temptation to try to be like God so we could think through these things in our right. own. 
we wanted to know the knowledge of good and evil, yeah. and yet God had a place for us that was uh, of peace and contentedness, um, and we keep wanting to take charge. Yeah. We keep wanting to put ourselves in the center of right. all things and have God work around us. Yeah. In your case, yeah. you've got four kids. You've got a classroom here. Uh, you've got at least two, if not three, think about your church, yeah. three significant spheres of influence, and most people have that. Most people will have work, have a church, maybe a family, maybe some, and some friends, yeah. three, four, five circles of influence that God has put us in. Can we be content that he's placed us there and be used by him for his glory in those yeah. in those spheres of influence, or are we going to continue to try to chart our own course and ask God to come alongside and accomplish our dreams yeah. for us? Well, then we're anthropocentric right, right off the bat again. Rather, and than I think that really goes into the the ones that I think that's tell you if they are a person of faith or they have some sort of belief in a supernatural God, and the reality is that it's a God of their own construction. Absolutely, it's a God that. It's a, it's a good God. It's a nice God. It's God that's a composition of all the good traits that we would associate with what we would think a good God to be. But in reality, it's a reflection of who we are. Yeah. And in Romans 1, we've, we've basically we've made a God that looks like us. Yeah, absolutely. And Isaiah yeah. speaks to that as well. Right. And, and, we're, and we're, we're making idols. Right. And God says, I'm not going to give my glory to any other. Yeah. And it's certainly not to my created entities, human beings. So... My glory, God says, is for me alone. Yeah. Um, I don't share it. And so that's another reflection of God's sovereignty over all things. He doesn't distribute his glory. Yeah. His greatest concern... ...that he chooses to use these broken vessels to advance his glory. So we go right back again to mm -hmm. Romans 11. Everything comes from God through him and to him. So at the end of the day, his glory is the right. object of all that he does. We get to be part of the process. So is, so is God being selfish when he's demanding worship? When we think of selfish, we think of we're trying to accomplish something at the expense right. of somebody else. But since there's nothing more glorious than God, and I'm kind of going Jonathan Edwards here yeah. and a little bit John Piper as well, more contemporary version of Jonathan right. Edwards, since God's glory is the greatest thing, God would be unjust to value anything more than his yeah. glory. He would be unjust if he were to value human beings more than his glory, since right. there's nothing greater than his glory. And so we can go right back to our verse. Everything comes from him, through him, and to him. Mm. So everything ends with him. And so therefore, we have to except that we are not the object yeah. of God's greatest love and concern. His glory right. is the object. And so that is a hard, very practical, I think, um, application for how to distinguish between having a high view of God's sovereignty or the supremacy, we're talking about his supremacy, yeah. a high biblical, healthy view of his supremacy versus... A diluted, distorted view or limited view, then I dilute the biblical teaching that everything comes from God, yeah. through him, and to him. And therefore, I will never have the fullness, the most robust view of God's supremacy and the goodness that it is for right. my life right now. Not just when I die, 
but right now. I'll always be toiling with that. I'll always be questioning why I don't feel God's love. Hmm. Why has God abandoned me here? Why do I not sense his presence? Those are all developments that I think can come out of a very anthropocentric. God loves me. I'm the highest love of, of his life. Human beings are the greatest love. No. That's, that's not right. It's God's glory hmm. that is his highest purpose. And so that's an area right there that, you know, when we teach on that from the pulpit and in the classroom yeah. and so forth, should help somebody to discern a theology that understands God's supremacy in a healthy way versus not fully um, appropriating that. Yeah. Um, and you can tell when somebody feels like or senses that the God's greatest love should be human mm. beings, and it's just—it's no. just not. Even though, to your point earlier about how we create an image of God, we we create our own, we fashion our yeah. own sort of idol of um, of what we would want God to look like. It would make sense that a sinful people would say, "Yes, I want to be God's highest yeah. love." No, that's not what the Bible teaches. Mm. He loves us um, because of He's uh, the fact that He's creating us in His yeah. image to be those vessels of his right. glory. Right. So he loves us in that way. And it's more than just sort of a selfish God naturally yeah. because there's nothing, there's no expense that's being um, undermined in somebody yeah. else's life. I don't lose. I don't lose when God loves his glory yeah. more than he loves we me. We would lose if he did not. We would lose right. tremendously if he did not. We would lose our greatest joy and the greatest experience ever being within that, that glory. All right, well, let's end on that note. But before we end, uh, Pastor Tim, do you have any books or resources that you would recommend for someone who wants to dig a little deeper into this? The book I recommend always, without fail, is Knowing God. Mm. Uh, we give that book away to graduating high school students um, at our church and beg them to read it. Um, apart from the Bible, I believe there's no more important book mm. for somebody to read. Now, obviously... We want this to be a supplement to the right, Bible. The right. Bible is always first and foremost. I wouldn't want somebody to read Knowing God or any book for that matter. Yeah. A.W. Pink, you've mentioned, you've got some other resources you've talked about that are really good ones. Certainly wouldn't want anybody to read those at the expense of the Bible. Right. Read the Bible a lot every day. Have a good diet of the Bible. But this book, Knowing God, as a nice supplement is the mm. best one out there in my view. And these issues that we've just talked about yeah. are brought up in much more articulate ways than, right. than I could have shared. But I highly recommend Knowing God by J.I. Packer. Just and then uh, a little book, The Supremacy of Christ in a Postmodern World by uh, John Piper. is a mm. series of a collection of articles. I think they were originally a, um, a conference. And uh, that gives some helpful thoughts on this as well. Well, Pastor Tim, thanks for joining us. And thank yep. all of you for my joining pleasure. us. Don't forget to check out our website at www.basicbiblepodcast.org and check us out on Twitter at BasicBibleCast. We'll see you next week as we continue the series on the attributes of God. <laughs>